I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey guys, you ever wonder what Phil and I wear while we podcast? You can find out if you join our Patreon. We'll also be talking about the films of 1989, but that's definitely less important than seeing our Zoom backgrounds, our headphone choices, and our sweatshirts. It's true. It's true. You'll get to see all the various pieces of artwork that I have framed on my office wall, and you can see Kenny's garden, sort of. So that's something. That's exciting. It's a hanging garden. It's a hanging garden. Uh, but perhaps more important than anything, uh, we are doing this Patreon to cover the best films of 1989. Uh, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, with amazing guests like Tom Meissen, Liz Hanna, Joanna Robinson, Brian Cogman, Chuck Hayward. You can sign up at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. And for $5, you'll get access to all the audio of these fantastic episodes. For a few bucks more, you'll get video as well of our 99 and 89 episodes. And perhaps, most importantly, you'll be supporting us uh, so we can just keep making podcast content for you guys. Hello and welcome to Podcasts Like It's 1999, the podcast where we talk about the magazines of 1999 coming at you from the pages of the the physical pages of Entertainment <laughs> Weekly. I'm one of your hosts, Kenny Nybar. And I am Philisco. And with us today is the man I consider a brother from another mother. I don't think he considers me that, <laughs> but I consider him that. Because we complicated, have, Kenny. Because we have all the same interests. You do. You guys when, are very similar. When Joe, Joe is the only person I follow who tweets about Big Brother, 
He's the only True. person he, he's tweeting about Survivor. Mm-hmm. There are always things that Joe does that 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 the <laughs> the, the the ups and downs of the Buffalo Bills football team. Oh, oh I texted Joe during that game. I was really <laughs> pulling for the Bills, man. Yeah. I was really you hoping and like Joe. several other people. My texts were this like horrible chronicle of like yay, but no, but yay, but no. It was, it was crazy. Like, yeah. That was a because crazy the, game because the whole internet roots for you, Joe. That's why I hope so. It's true. In that in that regard, I hope so. I, I also think it's side. worth it's worth noting that. That um, we've t- we have spoken Entertainment Weekly in the past because oh, I yeah. feel like the three of us, not just the three of us, many many millions of people. But mm-hmm. this magazine was a staple for me when I was growing oh, yeah. up. Um, <clears throat> it is. I feel like it's appropriate that we're talking about it right now because, unfortunately, uh, back on February 9th, Entertainment Weekly ceased print publication. Um, so. You can still get it digitally, I'm assuming, in some sort of a the iPad version of it, I think, is still happening, but it's monthly. Oh, it's a website. <laughs> it, no, no, no. Yeah. That was old. They went they went monthly. Yeah, they went monthly back in 2019. Yeah. And now they are a website. I mean, it's just it's I, I here I guess this is the sort of the grander question I have. And then we'll obviously dive into the issues themselves. But I do wonder if <clears throat> I guess there's just no place. For a magazine like this, or we could go grander and say magazines in general. But like this, the the itch that this magazine scratched for us as we were growing up is probably just Twitter now or like various entertainment websites. Is that kind of what it is? Well, it's that everything is so available to us now and so accessible to us in between. I think Entertainment Weekly got usurped by a lot of things. One of them is Twitter, but one of them is IMDb. One of them is Wikipedia. One of them is YouTube. You know what I mean? Like the fact that it was, I mean, you talk about the the date in February where they announced that they were ceasing print publications. It was a weird kind of wake on Twitter for like all of these people. And it was really interesting because like so many, like people who write about entertainment or work in entertainment, Mm -hmm. all like a lot of us have this as our touchstone. And it was very interesting to find out like, which like a lot of people were posting like photos of like the issue that like they remember as like being like Mm -hmm. one of the big Mm -hmm. uh, ones that sort of hooked them onto it. You still, you know, can recall a cover from however long ago, a lot of people like me talked about the fall preview issues being sure. you know, very uh, seminal. But I think one of the things that it provided was it was a, not necessarily a lifeline, but it was like a, it was an in into information that we did not have at our fingertips then, which was what's coming out, what's, how are, you know, things being received, what's doing well, who's coming, like what movie stars are on the rise but and, it was also accessible. Like you and yeah. I and Kenny could have conceivably got a subscription to Variety or Hollywood Reporter back sure, in the sure, day. Sure. But right. like, who the fuck would want that? Well, uh, and it was also so inside baseball and it's all deal making. This was like an accessible, yeah. but also felt like you were on the in of what yeah. was going on in the industry. I, yeah, I, I literally could talk about Entertainment Weekly for <laughs> weeks. Um, I think I know more about Entertainment Weekly than I know about any subject. <laughs> Yeah, uh, it is my favorite piece of literature. Yeah, the the yeah. volumes of Entertainment yeah. Weekly, yeah. and uh, never missed an issue. I tweeted about this. I, I very rarely tweet, and I, I it's true. I tweeted. I <laughs> tweeted about this uh, that you know I was one of the kids 
picked up in my mailbox. I didn't read it immediately because I think those people goes. I read it. I read it when I had the the, the hour the and a half to devote to, focus. to it. Yeah, sure. It was yeah. it was a treat. It was dessert. I always saved yeah. it for a plane. I wouldn't yep. read it on the plane until we took off. Yep. Yep. Um, I know this is a very important thing for me, and and I've thought a lot about why this. This is my. This is Entertainment Weekly is my film school more than anything sure. else, and it yes. it has it has molded and informed who I am as a, as a both consumer and artist mm-hmm. in a way that nothing else has or, or is able to. And I'm thankful for Entertainment Weekly because it wasn't – look, I never thought Premiere was, was anything. I thought Premiere was boring. Uh, okay. I, thought film, I thought film content was too far beyond my grasp. Film comment, you mean? Or Film comment was too far beyond my grasp. But what I want to say about Entertainment Weekly was Entertainment Weekly could have just been a this is what's coming out this week. These are the movies you need to know about. This is what's happening on television. And I loved all that stuff. But Entertainment Weekly was able to also pull out parts of film and television history that I never knew existed and -hmm. brought it to the forefront and also parts of TV that were on at that moment. I don't think Buffy becomes Buffy with that energy. I was going through this issue. I thought that specifically, I was like, wow, the fact that I watching Buffy and knowing that it was not only like a thing that I was into, but like was connecting with adults because I was still like whatever, 19, 20 years old at the time, Mm -hmm. but that it was sort of, that it was getting respect from the greater critical community made that show more special. I I totally agree. I also, I I would go one step farther, Kenny, and say, I'm not sure the WB exists in the way that it exists without Entertainment Weekly. I agree with you on Buffy and the specificity of that, but I also think I specifically remember the love that Felicity got from Entertainment Weekly in its early sort of days. Um, Dawson's Creek. Like, I do feel yep. like this this magazine tried to be the bridge to a bunch of different pieces of this pop is, culture. This is not a small deal we're making, not a small point we're making. Yeah. Without Entertainment Weekly, yep. everything that wasn't nominated for Oscars would have been thrown into, or Emmys, would have been thrown into whatever bin it was in. Buffy would have been thrown into the, you know, this teen fantasy thing, and Dawson's Creek would have been thrown into this, you know, 90210 bin and whatever it is. And people would have just forgotten about them. But they were all elevated. Now, I think about all the things that I know about only because of Entertainment Weekly. I only know about... uh, Superstar, Karen Car- Carpenter thing, because of Entertainment Weekly. The Todd Haynes right? I only yeah, know, I, yeah. yes, I only know about basically John Waters' entire oeuvre because okay. of Entertainment Weekly. Like yeah. these, I, I, there, there's so many things like that 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 they turned me on to that they, I mean that and Siskel and Eber, but Siskel and Eber did yeah. it half hour, a, you know, in a half hour every week. Entertainment Weekly devoted articles and times and space and, and column inches and all this stuff to, uh, to, the, to, to these things these things that were gettable if you wanted them. Yep. Yeah. Like Sling Blade, all right? I yep. never would have gotten yep. to see Sling Blade right. entertainment. Lone Star is another one that I remember Lone seeing. Lone Star. Yeah. Yeah. And they say something about limbo in this in this issue that I wanted to burn it. But uh <laughs> but it, it is for 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 me and I think you guys and I think so many people from the ages of about 30 to 50, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, this was our North Star when it 100%. came to pop culture. 
I also think the shows that this issue talks about, your Sopranos, your Felicities, your Freaks and Geeks, these are all shows that are not registering on the level that, you know, your fucking ERs or your how to, uh, who wants to be a millionaire. So I think it's worth noting, to your point, Kenny, that like, these are crazy esoteric things, right? but they are outside the realm of what everybody even or so i mean they're the not to jump around this magazine but the yeah, top yeah. 10 tv lists were pretty interesting yes. to me which i'll pull um because there were a lot of teen stuff there were freaks and geeks and yep. uh felicity were and and, and mm-hmm. uh and buffy and a lot of these shows yep. were on those lists but the, I, I don't think it could also be understated like people watched sopranos yeah but people weren't really at that point ready to take an HBO drama super seriously. Right. 100%. right. They, and it, first of all, Sopranos had embarrassing marketing, right? If one family yes. doesn't get them, the other one will get them like humiliating <laughs> mob movies were, mob <laughs> movies were, uh, were, were out at that point. Analyze this had just come out and was yep. making fun of this idea. Not only the idea of the mob, but the idea of a mobster going to therapy. Right. Yep. And 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 HBO was not the home of of, of drama television. <laughs> Sex and City had just come out, and that was even kind of a cognitive yep. dis- for yep. people that a good show that a good show period could be an HBO. And by both of these critics putting Chappelle's number one in 1999, yep. when it only had ten episodes out of eight episodes, I can't remember, uh, was a very very big deal at the time. I think directly led, truly directly led to the, you know, the, the golden age of television was Entertainment Weekly saying it's safe to, it's safe to tell people you watch yeah, shows on cable. Totally. It's, I mean, it's Ken Tucker who does the first list, who was kind of their TV guy and has done many books, if I'm not mistaken, uh, as well on television. Um, but, you know, just him saying The Sopranos is the Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band of television, which I think is an interesting connection to make, yeah. just the, the sheer size of it, the sheer scope of it. Well, the the other I, shows I, that he, I think sorry, he means, yeah. I think he means the, 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 the way it changed the paradigm. Well, that too, yes, which he, which he does get to. The other shows on this list, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Freaks and Geeks, Once and Again, Now and Again, that there were two shows on television, one called Once and Again, and another called Now and Again. Now and Again, making both of those lists, I, I literally was just like, I guess I missed the boat. Like, it made me want to go back and watch the first season, that only season of Now and Again, because it's like, what did I miss out on? I'm 99% sure I didn't know there were two of them. I, thought there was I didn't either. <laughs> Dana the Lady the same one? Show. Kim I remember now and again got a lot of uh, commercial time on NFL football. So I watched a lot of like ads of like John Goodman, like ex- like getting exploded in a train explosion or whatever. And then. But uh, the, the then- once and again was the Billy Campbell Seal Ward show. Seal Ward. Right. Yes. Which I totally remember. And I remember yeah. it being kind of a critic starling and never watching it. Now and again, couldn't even tell you what that show is. Uh, I don't know either of the actors in it, with with all due respect. Uh, it was also put Fridays at 9 o'clock. I mean, back then yeah. you might as well have just canceled the show. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you had West Wing, you had X-Files, Friends, Simpsons, Felicity. And then on the other list, you had Sopranos at number one, Everybody Loves Raymond, Oz, King of Queens, Now and Again, Friends, Buffy, Tenacious D, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, and The Tom Green Show. Great, a different time. was wild in 99. There was, <laughs> it was a crazy time. 
And like um, that's an era where there wasn't a fraction of the amount of TV that there is now. But even you look back at then, and like there was a lot of different. Like it was pretty eclectic even back then, and that was before 100%. even the rise of premium cable. Like you said, Kenny, like HBO was HBO was still not in everybody's home. I don't think mm-hmm. my family had HBO at that point. I got my roommates and I in college like splurged and got HBO for our uh, our apartment sophomore year to watch. Yeah, and I think, I think a lot that was of people, true with a lot did. of people. Yeah. Well, we—I mean, this will not surprise anybody, but uh, we did not get it in Canada until a little sure. bit after the the you know the big whole sort of tidal wave of of media blitz and what have you. I remember when it came to Canada. I remember it was. I remember I watched every episode of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I do want to sort of. Um, before we dive headfirst into this into this specific issue, I just want to very briefly touch on another issue that came out a few months, a few weeks earlier, literally called 1999, the year that changed movies. It's worth just, I want to briefly touch on this. This, issue, this episode is not about this issue, but I feel like we'd be remiss if we didn't at least kind of touch on it for a second. Sure, sure. Um, I want to just very quickly just read the opening paragraph of this uh, of this article where it says, uh, you can't stop waiting for the future. You can stop waiting for the future of movies. It's already here. Someday, 1999 will be etched on a microchip as the first real year of the 21st century of filmmaking. The year when old rules about cinema started to crumble. The year when a new generation of directors weaned on cyberspace and cops, Pac-Man and Public Enemy snatched the flickering torch from the aging rebels of the 1970s. The year when the whole concept of quote-unquote making a movie got turned on its head. Uh, I-, I think that there's... First of all, I'm just curious as to what you guys think of this article, which kind of takes some pot shots at a bunch of stuff that I'm a little bit like, you might be... Yeah, what did Mercy Ivory ever do to you? What did David Lean ever do to James Tobak? What did Stanley Kubrick or fucking Scorsese do to you? Like, these are not guys that, like, you can... Right. So I was a little bit sort of like... They're shooting their shot, and and I think that's cool for them to do it early and to recognize yeah. how great a year this was in November of 1999 to be able to sort of take their moment and yeah. be like, we're recognizing this is a great year. Um, but I do think they overstate things a little bit, and there are a couple sort of things in there that I think are interesting. The Bennett Miller talking about his... Um, sort of short or his his film based uh, that was digitally shot it's a lot of talking about the digital revolution which um it's, a, it's always yeah. a digital revolution we're right, in a right, perpetual right. digital revolution right. Right. you know like i remember when i was I, truly i remember when yeah. i was in in grade school and there was this um there was this like you know, the, one of those posters you put on the wall that had all mm-hmm. the decades and the 60s yes, yes, was yes. free love and the 70s was disco and the 80s, the decade we were in, were computers and, and rockets. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's always the digital revolution. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. like we are. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, that's, I, that, that's ridiculous. I think there, I, I think the article is wrong headed to some extent yeah. Yeah. because, you know, one thing that we certainly have learned over the course of this podcast is uh, the old masters were kicking ass too. Absolutely. Um, But, but I specifically Kubrick and Scorsese for the record. Yes. The old masters were kicking ass too. Uh, But what I think is interesting is you, you do have like the thing that was true then Mm -hmm. is true. Now you do have like either the, 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 the film that gave them the blank check, the guarantor or their blank check from so many of our most important filmmakers from, Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson from the Wachowskis, from M. Night Shyamalan, yeah. from Spike Jones, from Sofia yeah. Coppola, like so many of like our enormous fucking directors yeah. today, our big art fucking directors 
Mm-hmm. Even fucking Christopher Nolan with the following, uh, with following. So you have and so Soderbergh many with the with the limey. I mean, Soderbergh yeah. with the limey, and it, so yeah. there, there, it, there was this like, and all of the animation stuff. There yep. is this, you know, lightning in a bottle thing about this year. I mean, and the teen stuff and the documentaries are so incredible. Like, really, we we totally yeah. understand that. But I think those guys, the people I just meant, I just I just mentioned more than anyone would say. Yep. Yeah, but we were in the theater watching fucking The Insider and Eyes Wide yeah. Shut and Talented Mr. Ripley, all these things done by, you know, your heroes too. Well, it's, it's, I think it's, I completely agree with you, Kenny, that it is a, um, it's a big swing of an article in the sense that they're getting over their skis a little bit in terms of, of prediction, I guess, to some degree or another as to sort of where things are going. What I do think they do hit the nail head on, hit the nail on the head on to your point, Kenny, is the the acknowledgement that like, holy shit, Fincher's here. Holy mm-hmm. shit, Spike Jones is here. Like yeah, there, there yeah. are just people that are just really shaking the foundation of filmmaking. They talk a lot about sort of fractured narrative and, and the screenwriting rules and all that stuff being thrown out the window. And I think there's some legitimacy to that. But I also would argue they were doing that in the 70s too. Like I, never- I don't know that, yeah. I like that we're doing this near the end of our podcast because we I we know better than they do. Um, <laughs> we never talk about that stuff. As no. we, we talk about it as interesting, you know, on a contextual level, this film yep. is interesting because of that. But none of that, none, none of the storytelling, none of the storytelling structure, yep. fracture narrative, use of yep. flashbacks, or you know, mm-hmm. whatever, uh, yep. seems super revolutionary. Yeah, it didn't seem that groundbreaking to me because I feel like. You know, your your William Goldman's and your you know whoever. Oh my God! You go back to whenever. You go back yeah. to fucking Rebecca. You go yeah, back beyond. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So they they've been they've been fucking with a three act structure and a straight line for a really long time. So I, I don't yeah. want to give too much credence to that, and I think they maybe give too much in this article. I do want to read just one very quick quote. We have not talked about Magnolia yet, but there's a great quote from uh, Paul Thomas Anderson here, where he said, "I've never read a screenwriting book." Um, when he was composing the Ark of Magnolia, Anderson borrowed a model from an unlikely source. I know, Beatles. I know, I know the answer. Oh, I know the answer to this. Sorry, because I remember this. Yeah, I want to tell you what it is. Okay, I, I could quote from this fucking article. Okay. It's fucking a day in the life. It is. The way it crescendos, then crashes, yeah. then crescendos again. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 the quote <laughs> is, I looked at Sergeant Pepper in the White Album for inspiration. He said, I tried to structure my movie like a day in the life. How it would sort of build, 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 fall off a cliff, then start building back up again. And more structurally from that, th- that song than any movie I've seen. And I'm I telling think that- you, I remember every fucking word written in every <laughs> article of this magazine. <laughs> but I think that that's... I mean, we will talk about Magnolia at length, but I just, it was a great quote and it goes to show that I think something that perhaps filmmakers felt around this time, first of all, these are younger filmmakers, so there's a little bit less sort of jadedness, what have you, but there's a freedom it feels where they feel like the kind of boundaries of the studio system are a little bit more flexible than they were before. You do have your indies. You do have a couple other companies that are giving you opportunities. You can make a digital film. Like there, there are, there's sort of opportunities that hadn't existed before. And I think that someone like Paul Thomas Anderson listening to a song and then obviously being inspired by Amy Mann uh, with Magnolia, being able to sort of think about other ways of coming at this does feel very 99. Yeah. So I think in that regard, it was it was interesting. So 
to, to get back to what well, Kenny's great quote about how we're always in a, a digital revolution, which I completely agree with. Yeah. One of my favorite bits from this issue, the best of uh, the best of 99, I posted on Twitter today, the number one phenom of the year, digital music. Oh, I love <laughs> that. That, that. That one I will give a little credit to. <laughs> that actually, that, that actually was. Yeah. Sure. Sure. A phenom. A, a, a phenom. Uh, whatever. I mean, a phenom. Sure, but, you a know. Phenom. I just was like, but, it's just Joe, so Joe, great. Joe, being a great wrestling fan, knows that there's only one phenom. But you know, well, there's a there's a fucking wrestling show <laughs> in this too. Your your boy, bro. Vince I, McMahon. Think I, oh, I think it, it was and the. And the rock, I think it's here. so funny that yes, there's the a lot of wrestling performers in the issue, of the year. Performers of the year, uh, they were so pressing on the rock. <laughs> like the the rock oh, yeah. wasn't the obvious choice at that number point. five five. That's high. Yeah, he's an amazing performer. So WWE, okay, this, well WWF yeah. at the time had a great sort of that was their like crossover into <laughs> yeah. regular entertainment. Like w, pro wrestling has always sort of like waxed and waned in the popular culture but that was like a big step back into it and and like i think smackdown was probably the thing that did it because it was a network it sort started of like, yeah. you know bumped into network television in as much as upn was you know yeah a network um, when we yeah. when we do our wrestlemania episode i yes. will i i will indulge all of my wwe things nice. um it's a when, guys, not an if. What I can't wait to do, obviously. But the, it does. It is interesting for me personally that this is, to me, the only year ever mm-hmm. when WWE was able to kind of stick its head up from under the muck and say, <laughs> "Acknowledge us," and people kind of did. Right? Yeah. Yeah. They, Entertainment Weekly put Goldberg and Stone Cold on their cover. So you know, mm-hmm. or actually, it was yeah, they put both two different covers. Yeah, they. So I, I, you bring up uh, something that I want to talk about very quickly. Um, magazine covers, I, which is obviously a dying art now. Um, yes. I don't know about you guys, but looking at this, the very first page of this issue has the year in covers, and it has all yeah. fifty-two covers um, of the year. And just looking at this, I was just, I literally feel in my heart a deep missing of. Magazine covers, great fucking glossy, yeah. colorful photos of your favorite, coolest people that are out there in the world. Um, you know, it's it's something that's gone now. All these press stills that we see just exist on a screen. You don't really get to actually. I mean, I was a person. I would. I framed stuff. I loved having the tactile, tangible sort of. So looking at this. I'm just like amazed. First of all, that some of these things got covered. So, what what is your what is your favorite one? First of all, yeah, what jumped out at you as you look oh, at this? Oh boy! And um, I want I want to say yes. real quickly. Yes, Internet Weekly not the best for its covers. They're too busy. No, Rolling you Stone know? great covers. Yeah, because there are. Yeah. The but thing about it busy. though is like yes, Rolling Stone great covers. The thing about Entertainment Weekly though is it's so tied to memory that like yes. I almost it yeah. almost doesn't matter because it's just like <laughs> it's stuff that's like totally. glazed onto. Yes. My memory. Like, I look at this, like, that Heather Graham It List cover. Yes. I'm like, I yes. remember exactly Same. where that sat on the coffee table of my living room. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, the Buffy cover near the bottom there is a classic. The Buffy cover, I kept, I held on to that one forever because that was the one that had capsules, uh, capsule mm-hmm. reviews of every single episode up to that point. And that I, that is, as I said to Phil, as I yeah. said to Phil, that cover is my sexuality. 
like I I I kept this one forever, and I yeah. it was a weird thing because you know Sarah Michelle Gellar, you know I I kind of I didn't recognize how in love with her I was until I saw this cover. <laughs> sure, like I watched that show every week, and I was like into the show, and I'm like trying to figure out what it is, and this cover came out. I was like, oh my god, I. That's I'm it. in love with Buffy. That's it. I'm in love with her. Yeah. So yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, if I'm being honest, the one that actually kind of jumps out out to me, and I remember was uh, the Ewan McGregor one of him as Obi Wan. Because sure. there's a, a one. It's a it's clean, so simplistic yeah. kind of yeah. image that was yeah. kind of, you know, stayed with me. I remember yeah. the Matrix one vividly. Yep. Um, yep. Same. Yeah. I mean, it's funny, Kenny, you saying they don't, they're not good at covers. I completely agree with you. And when you see them all in a row like this, you realize how many are just like kind of just close up headshots. Sure. Like there's really not much going on here, but I, I just, they're, they're great. I remember, obviously I had the Sleepy Hollow one. Um, it was, it's, it's really, you know, Kenny and I talked a little bit as we were preparing for this episode, we were texting back and forth a few weeks ago about how like, there's a great podcast to be made of just a different entertainment weekly issue every week. You just do every issue of that yeah. magazine yes. because it's so much fun and it was just, I don't know. It's a, it's, it's a great magazine. I want right, to talk so about the entertainers. When hold on one sec. One sec. Yeah. I want to ask one more question about the covers. Yeah. Uh, which one of these magazines, these yes. issues, yes. were you most excited to receive? Oh boy. It's um, always the fall preview for me. That was the one that I looked looked for every summer waiting for like that was the end of the summer it would come and it would just be like what like because even back then like fall season already for me was like that's the big season for me so Joe, and, what, what's the downside of the fall of the fall preview? well that it's this is their most this is their uh hooeyest uh <laughs> fall preview cover ever it really is Hearts. no 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 i i i <laughs> my 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 i always had a problem with the fall with the with the fall tv preview issue because it's a double issue, and it means you oh, don't get it. only yes, you don't get it yes. next week. And what That's the true. fuck was I supposed to do? Read premiere? <laughs> it's so well, funny that you mentioned that EW was your you'd read it on planes because premiere was my airplane magazine. I would only ever read premiere when I flew anywhere because I would have time to kill, and I would go to the newsstand, hmm. and I would they were uh, like I would have read that week's Entertainment Weekly by then, like I would have been done with it. So I would buy Premiere and read well, that it's, one. On it's the interesting plane. that you bring that up, um, Joe, because uh, I did record. We did an I did an episode with uh, Tori Brevetti and Emma Fraser on the Rolling Stone covers of 1989 and then uh next month we'll be releasing every episode of premiere magazine we covered that from 1999 and rereading that magazine which i was more of a fan of than kenny um i I don't know there was something a little bit high bro about that magazine that's a little bit kind of eye rolly now but at the time i just felt like it was kind of hitting an interesting vein that i liked about it it was a little bit more insidery to a certain degree. Um, But if there was a troubled production, I would read about it in premiere. Like that. It it felt premiere always felt a little more like it was reporting than it was taste making. That's why I loved entertainment weekly so much. I want to tell you what my, what the issue I love. Yes, please. Yeah. The most exciting issue of the year, Mm -hmm. the equivalent of the blankies for me. Mm-hmm. Was the issue where they predicted the Oscar nominees? Oh, sure. sure. Like yeah. that was awesome for me. Yeah, like it's the one where they picked the one yeah. where they predicted the Oscar winners, Oscar odds. Like okay, sure. Like I enjoyed sure. that very much. Sure. Predicting the nominees is like so in my wheelhouse. 
And that's the more was, fun yeah. one. That's the more fun yes. stage of the Oscar race, always. Yes, it is, by yeah. far. Um, um, all right. Well, I, that's I was going to say that for me, um, I was always a fan of any of the movie preview issues because it felt like that was yeah. kind of pre-internet. The only way I kind of had like a 30,000 foot view of yep. what was coming out over the next 100%. few months. Yep. So for me, that that was really exciting. It was kind of a way to be like, oh, cool. I got this to look forward to and this to look forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did really love those. But I, if I'm being completely honest... I fucking love the best ofs, man. Like every the year, best the best, the best totally. of was like my way of being like, here are the books I need to read. Here are the albums I need to listen to. Here are the movies I need to watch that if I hadn't seen them already, mm-hmm. um, you know, the Great TV point. shows, all that stuff. It was just a, it, it's a perfect kind of, because again, yeah. now in the world we live in, as we get closer to the end of the year, every single person you know <laughs> puts out their best of on Twitter or whatever. Exactly. So like you're inundated yeah. with it. But back then, this was a perfect kind of one issue thing that I could look at. Phil, there are a few here which I would love to get my hands on. Yeah, I There's know. The 100 Greatest Moments in TV. They were yep. obviously doing had a theme for the year. The 100 Greatest Moments in Rock. Yep. The 100 Greatest Moments in Movies. The 100 yep. Greatest Entertainers. And... I really would love to see the 1999 Power Issue. I think that <laughs> yes. would be like catnip for us. I, I mean, say, I got to be I've honest, been, Kenny. We can find these and just talk. I about was going to say I've been on a little bit of a spending spree on on eBay. I feel like I've been the equivalent of like people who like I just spent a day like spending all this money on the Criterion sale. Criterion, yeah, I would that, know, yeah. That's me with eBay. Like lately, like not to yeah. get too ahead of us, but like mm-hmm. I there's uh, maybe a thing coming down the pike that's going to mm-hmm. be involving entertainment weekly stuff that so i like i bought a bunch of issues and i would could have easily bought twice as the amount that i did because i just i look at some of the stuff just like well i need to have that i need to like i need to find out (laughs) what was going on i so um I've been in a bit of, and I'm sure people that follow me on Twitter have seen this. I, they all know that I'm a big ER fan, but there's a group of people that I follow, Tori Brevetti being one of them and her friends, apropos of what seems like nothing, decided to watch ER for the first time. They're at least 10 years younger than me, if not more, yeah. never seen the show before. So yeah. I kind of went on this journey with them as they were sort of on all this ER stuff. So now I'm on eBay looking for old magazines about ER. Totally, and yeah. I'm just like, I had all these. I wish I didn't throw them away. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Pretty, it's pretty fantastic. It I want to talk like uh, ER is a moment, Phil. It is, right? Definitely it feels like people like are kind of like, oh, wait a second. There's a reason this was the fucking best show. ER, yeah. if, if ER was positioned correctly, and I think mm-hmm. it's on Hulu, which is kind of unfortunate. And it's on HBO Max now, too. HBO Max? All right, that's better. But yeah. if it was positioned correctly, it could be kind of the friends or office of the next year. Or totally two years. agree with you. You know, I people absolutely, could really I mean, run through that. I mean, truthfully, if it was on Netflix, it would be there. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like that's what, that's it, what I'm getting at. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it could, but, maybe could happen on HBO Max. Maybe could happen on Hulu. But hard. yeah, it's. I, I think that it's a. To your point, Kenny, I think that it's a show that, um, kind of generationally, like it, it doesn't. It, it can kind of fit. It's. It's sort of like why Grey's Anatomy became this whole new, like a whole millennial Gen Z thing happened with it when it went on Netflix because there is sort of this, you know, it's it's it's. There's nothing particularly you know, um, it's medicine. It's, it's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's saving people's lives. Like it's, it's anyway, ER is great. Everyone should watch ER. Um, I want to talk about the entertainers. I want to just walk through this list really quick here. Yes. Um, 
I gotta ask you guys, what do you think about Ricky Martin being deemed the entertainer of the year? I mean, <laughs> he's incredibly hot in this one photo. I mean, okay, so like, the thing that I love about going back into stuff like this is yeah. the time capsule nature of this. We're like, 10 years later, you would have never looked back at 99 and been like, Ricky Martin was the entertainer of the year. Like you would have, but your memory would have gone past that and papered it over and colored it with the next 10 years or whatever. But I like the fact that like looking back on this, just like, yeah, like Ricky Martin was everywhere that year. And he had the, the sort of the sheen of this could be the next 25 years of global pop superstar Mm -hmm. because he came onto the scene. It was the, Grammy's performance, he did this the World Cup song, and it was this very sort of like global phenomenon. I of course be up upper dork already knew him as Miguel from General Hospital. And uh <laughs> well, and then, I was happy that he made it big. I feel like this taps into sort of there's also a a, a Latin music thing that's happening around this time too, right? I mean, yes. J Lo's album, first album comes out this year. You've got Enrique Iglesias, you've got Mark Anthony, like all these people are kind of yes. percolating. It's all kind of happening. It was, so, there, it, you know. there was a moment for sure. Yeah, I I take entertainment entertainer of the year very seriously. I know you do. Um, and uh, <laughs> all due respect to Ricky Martin and his perfect body, but. Um, <laughs> It's a bad choice, guys. It's, and the, well, what's interesting is the number two choice is David Chase. Like, what are we also not an excellent choice? Like, there is. I, <laughs> well, you're not putting not, David Chase on the cover of your magazine. No, you know and, what I mean. And, like, yeah. certainly not shirtless. But I, <laughs> I, I have great respect for both of these people, and I don't sure. think Ricky Martin in in 2022 is nearly as an embarrassing a choice as it would have been in. 2012. Right. I think people, you know, history has been a little kinder to this guy. Yeah. But uh, but I always look at Entertainer of the Year as mm-hmm. somebody who has done more than one really important, memorable thing, yeah. and that's usually the kind of person they give it to. One that I remember that was it was just so her year, and she mm-hmm. was so the obvious choice. They did the right; they picked her. Was mm-hmm. the year that Amy Schumer. Became Amy sure. Schumer when she sure. inside Amy Schumer and she had the movie and she was mm-hmm. everywhere. And it was like, obviously, this is the entertainer of the year. Somebody yeah. who has made her mark all over the place. And just Tiffany Haddish had a year like that a few years yep. ago. Just yep. Yep. that mm-hmm. thing where it's just like, this is your fucking entertainer. Mm-hmm. And in terms of this list, well, I, I was just going to ask, Kenny, mean. is there anyone on this list? Because I, yeah. I, I let me just read the list for our listeners. Okay. Number one, you got Ricky. Mar- Martin, David Chase is number two, the Blair Witch Crew is number three, Britney Spears, Vince McMahon, The Rock, J.K. Rowling, Julia Roberts, Carlos Santana, <laughs> um, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, uh, the, the no longer named Dixie Chicks, just the chicks, uh, Spike Jones. These, these are your, would any of those be your number one? I'm not sure I'd pick any of them as number one. Why? The only one who fulfills that uh, yeah. mandate is Spike Jones. Sure. Um, with an incredible acting performance, an incredible movie that he directed. Yes. That was a game-changing type movie. Sure. He's not exactly the guy. The person I would have chosen off this list yeah. is, in the absence of an incredible multi-hyphenate, yeah. go with the person who's the fucking hurricane. I would have picked Britney Spears. That I was kind of what I was... That was a, I would have gone with the atomic makes bomb. It, makes it seem like so, it should have been Britney. Yeah. You know, you go with the atomic bomb. I think that she was an atomic bomb uh, at that moment, if you want to go with someone who's a little more established, 
who I think had just an incredible year Julia? in retrospect. No, I would have gone with Tom huh. Cruise. You know, oh, sure. I sure. think you have Eyes Wide Shut and Magnolia. You know, yeah. the high and yeah. the low, in my opinion, is two best performances ever. People knew at the time Magnolia was, you know, a fucking right. wrecking ball. People know now that yeah. Eyes Wide Shut is, you know, like the encapsulation of, enti- of, of his entire career. But Britney and Tom Cruise are my two. I would go. Yeah, Tom Cruise I, I, because I, I think because Magnolia opened so late that year and Eyes Wide Shut didn't really get, didn't become the Eyes Wide Shut that exist now until yeah. like years later so yeah. i get why that didn't happen i also feel like the thing where and britney ranked what she was what three Four. five five fourth four i really painted the corner on that one yeah. um <laughs> but i think the i think ricky martin ranking higher than britney feels like a hedge towards we think there's a slightly better chance that Britney will be the one hit wonder and Ricky will be the one who endured and it ended up being the, the other way around. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's a, listen, it's an interesting list. There's some, some bold choices on here. I like that Spike Jones is there. I think the Blair Witch crew is a smart, like, I think there's all interesting yeah. choices. Yeah. It's, not, it's um, not a bad list. They're, they're covering the gamut. I just don't know that like, I mean, Jesus Christ, smooth. I mean, how many times did you hear that song? I mean, I guess you got to put Carlos Santana on here, but my God, that song was ubiquitous. Um, it's it's an interesting list. I think the breakouts are interesting. You know, you've got Hillary Swank, uh, uh, Moby, uh, Haley Joel Hosman, uh, yeah. Wes Bentley, Linda Cardellini, um, Tom Green. I don't know who uh, Melissa Bank is. Nor do Does I. Anyone actually. know who that person uh, is? Uh, she's, yeah. she's a she's a writer, right? Right. It was a book. Was it a Girl's big book? Girl's Guide never... to Hunting and Fishing. Well, yeah. We we talk about the books later, but. Uh... Uh, I have no idea if these are big books. <laughs> All the books in this issue, with yeah. the exception of the ones on the worst list, uh, don't yeah. exist. <laughs> I, I mean, you've got Kid yeah. Rock on here. Uh, you've got, um, uh, oh my God, uh, Christina Aguilera. Uh, it's an interesting batch of things. I, I don't want to go through this whole year that was because there's a million things in it, but mm-hmm. there were a the couple year that things. Was, that, it's crazy. Phil. It's crazy, isn't it? Yes. I mean, like, there's a stuff in it that you're just like, what the fuck? Like, I mean, first of all, they shit on Eyes Wide Shut. Like, like I, it's shocking they to really me how do. much people shit on that movie. They, uh, yeah, like it was not. It was not the thing at, in, in that year. Yeah, they, they, they. <laughs> I mean, apparently not. I, it's just, it's amazing to me that they, in the previous issue that we were talking about, how uh, they say that um, Eyes Wide Shut and uh, Bringing Out the Dead were duds. Where I'm just like, I guess. I want to I, I, I posit something about why yeah, that might be. Yeah. Uh, it's a blessing and a curse. Part of the reason I think this year was, you know, received so well. Mm-hmm. But, um, I think the average critic yes. was older. Sure, and sure. I think that older and established. I think these are people who came of age in the 70s, were around in the 80s, mm-hmm. in the 90s got kind of jaded by what they saw as um, you know, bloated sure. uh, effects fests. I think none mm-hmm. of those movies in the 90s did particularly well with critics. And I think they were very uh, emboldened by the indie revolution, bringing them back mm-hmm. to the roots. That's I feel like that is the that trajectory right. of, of Siskel yeah. and Eber, but also yeah. people of you know the Gliebermans and the and the uh, Peter Travers and people of that ilk. Oh yeah. Um, I think that these highish budget movies from auteurs, mm-hmm. specifically Bringing Out the Dead and um, Eyes Wide Shut, and and Eyes Wide Shut, hit them wrong. 
I yes. think it hit them wrong. And I think that that's why those particular movies and a lot of the other movies that we like from bigger directors, mm-hmm. but were kind of ignored yeah. uh, at the time. I think that's yeah. kind of what happened. I think they were all, I think they felt like they were the ones who mm-hmm. made Miramax a thing, made Sundance a thing, mm-hmm. made Polygram a thing, made, made you know, the, the, the mainstreamification of foreign films the second critic has all about my mother as her top film a yes. thing in documentaries. And I think these, you know, I think these overwrought movies that we're crazy about now, these maximalist movies from auteurs, I would throw Son of Sam in there too. Uh, hit them wrong. Even Talented Mr. Ripley kind of did think that too. T- Mr. And yeah. I think what's interesting is today, the critics on the forefront, yeah. the critics who are, are, are people our age and younger, people mm-hmm. that, a lot of these people we know personally who are the ones who like people like these auteurs uh, getting, you know, getting their $80 million checks (laughs) to do what they want to do. I think that's because we kind of lived in this period where they weren't getting. I I agree. It's, it's why I think that, you know, the, the article from the 99 issue is so fascinating because it does kind of feel like shots fired a little bit, right? Like it does feel like someone being like, if you are, out of touch right now, buckle up because it's only going to get worse for you, which I think is interesting in and of itself. I'm not sure that it actually plays out that way, but I think that it's an interesting thing. My my sense about all critics, Joe, you're a critic, so you can can tell me this, (laughs) is there is is no greater pleasure than finding someone on the upward upward trajectory. Absolutely. And there's no age where, where a critic, a decent critic, a critic who actually loves the game will ever like gatekeep like that. So right. I think like, yeah, I, I know because I was watching it. I know Ebert loved to break new people. I know yeah. they all love to break new people. Sure. So it's never about that. It's yeah. almost the opposite. It's like, get out of here, old man. And it's interesting because we're going to do Gloria very soon with Lament. That was a movie where I think people were like, you had your time, we're old done. man. Get we're out of here. Now. Yeah. 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 And that then he would, did a bunch would, of things near the end of his career that are actually, you know, widely Before beloved. the Devil No, yeah. I mean, it's Sidney Lumet, so you can't say it's his best film. But it's just right. like, it's a top 10 yeah. film of his. You know, it's an incredible I, movie. So in this this chunk here, this the year that was in 99, there's a couple things that jumped out at me. One of them I just clocked here, and I don't know why I thought this happened way early, like way more recently than it did, but <laughs> but Fabio being on the roller coaster and yes, getting hit with the, the <laughs> We should have done a whole episode about it. Amazing. I'm not messing with you guys. I'm not messing with you guys. I'm, I'm literally driving in my car last week. I pulled up to a stop sign and who's next to be Fabio. And he Get looks ex- in a yellow fucking like Hummer situation. He Get looked exactly here. the same. Long hair. Had my kids oh. in the back. Immediately told him the story of the uh, of the bird and the, the roller coaster. It's truly the best thing that's ever happened. It's amazing. Here's what's great. First of all, for people who don't know, Fabio was uh, was on the uh, uh, the Apollo Chariots roller coaster at Busch Gardens in Williamsburg, Virginia, when a Canadian goose hit him in the face. Now uh, there are two Google photos here. This YouTube, this <laughs> it you, is will you will it. love it. But what's amazing is there are two photos here. There's one with them all fucking smiles. He's he's <laughs> got three girls next to him in white outfits. They are all having the best time. Cut to a shot of him just blood pouring out of his face. <laughs> it's a These phenomenal photo. Horrified. It's amazing. Oh, it's, it's an so amazing photo. Funny. 
And it was like the first, like, it was like the maiden voyage of this roller coaster, right? That's why there were like people taking photos. And he was the like, he was the celebrity guest. And it turned out that way. It's amazing. I have never heard of this happening to anybody, let alone Fabio on the first fucking ride in a Bush Gardens roller coaster dressed in white without chicks around. The best is you can see there's blood on the faces of the girls around him too. Like it's just like they oh, yeah. all got fucking hit. It's just it's out of a movie. It's, it's just it's out of a fucking Daniel oh, Waters movie. It's, I can't believe just, it exists. It's, it's the best. Yeah. Um, so then I read this, which I didn't know happened. Maybe you guys remember this. This NYPD Blue thing. Do you guys remember this? I do not remember this. Apparently, Stephen Bojko inked some like oh, $50 I million dollar about this. Yeah. production deal. And after the new season began, he locked horns with ABC that wanted to move its time slot. He dug in his heels and they reached an agreement and it was, it was aired two months late in January. That's pretty insane. Yeah. I mean, it just goes to show how powerful he was, I guess, at the time. But it's, it's incredible. Um, other but then things, they bumped him to a yeah. mid-season premiere. So it was, it was, yeah. you know, yeah. jokes on you, Bochka. Yeah, yeah. Um, so how about, yeah, there's lots about, of stuff uh, here. But yeah, how about how many people tuned in to watch Clooney's last yeah. episode on ER? Almost four million number? people. Yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, <laughs> it, old TV it, ratings is an endless hilarious. well of. Yeah. of yeah. I mean, then then they broke more records, I think, as they continued. I mean, when Juliana left and whatever. I do think it's this this Jamie Tarsus thing I thought was interesting. After three years, ABC Entertainment President mm-hmm. Jamie Tarsus resigns. What, what, what date? That's page 82. It's in August. Uh, okay. Where right. recruited from NBC, where she brought friends and Frazier to the air, Tarsus failed to receive the alphabet's decline, reverse alphabet's decline, and was behind only two hits, The Practice and Dharma and Greg. It, it is really interesting. Jamie Tarsus is a fascinating... Um, career. Uh, I think that yeah. she she got a lot of love and was very quickly torn down. And yeah. it's the, the industry just, for whatever reason, just did not have you know the, why. Well, I mean, yes, obviously the, there, there's, there's uh, uh, the patriarchy is terrible. But, but I just think it is, she's just one of those people, and obviously Sorkin makes a whole meal out of this in Studio 60. I was going to say, she deserves more credit for bringing Matt Albee and Danny Tripp back to uh, Studio 60. She really should have gotten more credit for that. Tarsus, she had three really interesting things about her. uh, Mm -hmm. Aside from everything. One, she was a woman. Two, she was about 12 years old. And three, uh, she was in her 20s when she was running the network. Yeah. And yes, very three young. and three, she's the daughter of a uh, Hollywood executive as well. Mm-hmm. So you had three really interesting dynamics. You have the, the woman in the man's world. You have one of the youngest people probably in the office. I mean, today, uh, people in their 20s are like assistants and like, that's it. And three, uh, there's some nepotism going on there. Yo, so yeah. it was a very interesting dynamic, but she was a brilliant executive. She was. And then she was an extremely successful uh, producer on her own with Fanfare. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I believe they have happy endings, right? Which yep. is yep. one yep. of the yep. finest shows. Yeah. You know, and the period. Wilds was the, the last thing that she worked on on Amazon as well. Yes, and um, she just died recently, which is you know, really obviously good. horrible, super young. and uh, yep. But, you know, any a kind fascinating of an incredible person. Hollywood career. Yeah, I also one hundred percent thought this photo of her was Alex Kingston from ER. One hundred percent. Or, or uh, what's her face from NYPD Blue with the curly hair, Delaney? What's her name? Oh, Kim uh, Delaney. Kim sure, Delaney sure. could have yeah, been that yeah. too. 
Uh, I want to read a very quick one. Uh, page 85, September 29th, Wishy Washington at a political fundraiser worm bait. I jotted this down too. Campaign yeah. platforms, but neither confirms nor denies that he will seek the Democratic presidential nomination. Can you imagine if Warren Beatty had run? Yeah, what do we think watch, he wins? <laughs> yes, we'd all have we'd all have President uh, Redford. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just he is one of those guys that like he does, I guess, sort of seem presidential, whatever the fuck that means. But like, right. it would have been interesting. Let's just put it that way. Uh, I, I would have loved know. it. Beatty's, it would have been you know, Beatty, Beatty's the best. One of the, <laughs> well, one of the best Hollywood guys ever. But like one of the dominant moods in the country in that election was we just want to move on from the Clinton scandals and like to like double down on that and like bring in like your most womanizing president ever, like even yeah. more so. With so just like, with Madonna. Like, right, right. Just like, but all his nice. cards are on the table and, you know. Annette yeah. Bening as first lady though would have, would have paid to oh, see that. That would have been Absolutely good. would have been a perfect that but, think, but think of all the great movies who would oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, so then in terms of just a very quick thing uh, on page 90, another ER thing, Juliana Margulies turns down $27 million for an extension on her contract yeah. to walk away from the show, uh, which she did at the end of season six, which I think is interesting. This Matt Drudge thing is fucking bonkers. Did before you, you get it. No, no. Before yeah. you get into that, I don't want to just yeah. launch a list. I'm, I want to get into all this. Every single thing in the in the calendar section is brilliant. And I love it. <laughs> uh, do we feel like she made the right decision? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. To leave you I mean, because she left I'll, pretty early, I felt like. She left she in season six. There, there yeah. was a lot, and, and I know that sounds late now, but like at the time, like was there was early. a lot of obviously the show went. Uh, 30 seasons, there was a 15, lot of, you yeah. know, there's a lot of juice left in that letter. Sure. I guess I'll say this. I'm of two minds on it personally. And I've read, uh, she's given many interviews about this and talked about how for her, it was less about the money. It was more about a quality of life and B feeling as though her character was so hinged to Clooney that they bring her a new love interest in season six. And, and Goran Visnich is a, a very dreamy man for sure, but, yeah, but it, it would have, yeah. it just doesn't have the same juice. And I think she felt like if I'm going to be doing this for X amount of years more, I got to believe in where the character's going. And she just didn't. So I respect it on a, on that level. But to yeah. your point, Kenny, you know, she could have done it for five more years. Like why that's a lot of money. You too. hold on to a lot of mystique though, by leaving when she did, like you really, Correct. like you preserve a lot of 
And I think that's allowed her to then come back with stuff like The Good Wife and, mm-hmm. and you know, further criticism. Morning, and I sir. think also she probably did want to try and, like, you know, make movies. It didn't really ever happen with her. I mean, she also, she also said in an interview, she's like, not to be shitty, but she was like, I have more money right now than I ever dreamed I would have just based on the six seasons I've done of this show. Like I'd be remiss if I didn't take a shot at like having some sort of a life. So I I respect it. And the amount of money she must have now. Oh my God. She can, she can actually go to the same restaurants as Reese and Jennifer Aniston. (laughs) That must be so funny on that show (laughs) when you have Reese, Jennifer Aniston, Steve Carell, like Basically playing credit card roulette at, at Mr. Chow's every night. Yeah. And some of these people just can't go. Nope. But Julianne Margulies can go to the same restaurant. Do you think Billy Crudup can go? I don't think Billy Crudup can go. I don't think Billy Crudup can go. Who, who, who else Probably is on that not. show? Uh, Crudup. Uh, I think Crudup goes and like pulls out his credit card, but he's like waiting for them to be like, it's okay. It's like, no, 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 it's away. okay. Who is on that show? Because I, I mean, Jennifer Aniston, <laughs> Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Gugu Mbatha-Ra, Duplass. Oh, Duplass. Well, not yeah. Gugu Mbatha-Ra after the first All season. Right. Um, Gugu is definitely not eating there. Mark Duplass uh, isn't eating there. Duplass? You think? I think has cash, bro. I think Duplass, I, I mean, seven seasons, seven, seven seasons of right. uh, of the league as the lead. I think. Oh, you're got, right. You're right. He is the league. You're right. You're right. Yeah, it's a lot of projects. I always think about that, though, when you just think about, like, somebody who's just like, yeah, I have a lot of money. I don't really, like, need to. And it's just like, I, I, I feel like I enjoy working sometimes. And I feel like I take a lot of pride in my work. Sure. But, like, if I had that kind of money and I could retire, you better believe I would retire. Well, like, that's, I that's would, Joe. I don't like working that much. Like, <laughs> I, I, I hate to break. Like, I don't. As long, as long as you show up once a year on the blankies, then. <laughs> yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, and, and, and keep tweeting about Finn Balor every once in a while. I'm fine. So yeah. I want to just, um, I, I don't really want to talk about this Matt Drudge thing. Um, I want to move into a great performance, because fuck Matt Drudge. I, I want to talk yeah. about these great performances of the year. You've got yes. the cast of Sex and the City, uh, everyone's favorite, um, Kevin Spacey. Yes. Uh, and then <laughs> Samantha Morton. You've got the, the, the two of people from now and again. Uh, again, I, I couldn't even tell you who they are. And you know wires. Margaret Collin. You've seen Independence Day. You've, and you've seen oh, Three Men right, and a Baby. Oh, right. That's who she is. Those I know are, who she is. Yes, 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 yes. yes. She was in uh, Three Men and a Baby. Yeah, I was going to say. Yes. It's okay. those two roles. It's pretty yes. much that, but like yeah. it's those two things. Yes. Uh, yeah. Matt Damon, talented Mr. Ripley, Elizabeth Franz in a, in a Broadway revival of Death of a Salesman, Tom Tickver, uh, Pamela Anderson Lee. I, I saw that I saw that in the theater, that, uh, that Death of a Salesman. Did you? Was it good? Yeah, Elizabeth Franz is not who you remember from that. Um, who else was in that one? It was Brian Dennehy. He was just sweating oh, his sure, ass sure, off sure. under the lights. I mean, sure. it's unbelievable. Uh, so, Kenny, I'm curious as to your thoughts on <laughs> Mark Shaman getting love here and, and not um, uh, oh, that's Trey fine. and Matt. Is that's fine. fine. I think it's I I I, I for the musical Matt, component, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Trey and Matt are just a different fucking thing. They're yeah. they're. You know, no matter what you feel about them, and I think most people have like conflicted to positive feelings about them. Sure, sure. Um, uh, they're just living in rarefied air. They like they don't they, they don't need anybody to anybody. Even in '99, when this movie came out, and they took these characters and made a movie that was one of the best reviewed films of the year and nominated for totally. Oscars. Yep. Uh, that was like more, that was more than anything, like the validation that they When it ever also, did. and I Shaman's mean, it, the guy, Shaman's the element that elevates that movie from one yes. thing to another thing. You know what I mean? Like it's, we it, agree with that. 
Yeah. Does he write Book of Mormon with them as well? No, or am I making that's, that up? Ro- that's Lopez. That's Bobby that's Lopez, Lopez oh, from, okay. uh, from Frozen. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so then the Wachowskis get a shout out, understandably. Uh, Margaret Cho, Russell Crowe, Jerry Seinfeld, for reasons, whatever. Um, Ron Eldar, Terrence. <laughs> yeah, there's an odd year for Seinfeld. Jerry Seinfeld for it, reasons, whatever. What are the reasons? I think he had a fucking HBO show or did he? Have- I, he yeah, he had that HBO special that was like, the year after Seinfeld ended. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that's what it is. I think it was because he had a good, uh, I think it was because he had a good hosting. Is that SNL list? Yeah. Uh, SNL. Wow. That's great. The, H- the, the HBO references to a joke he made about Oz. He's got a good, he's got a good PR person. Um, yeah. Janet McTeer. I mean, ridiculous. Kenny and I, boo, I mean, not, the, not that we boo. hate Janet McTeer, but like, yeah, I love Janet McTeer. Seal of War, Jay Moore. That's a show we need to, we need to do the pilot of action, Kenny. We should talk about that. Oh, sometime. yeah, we should. We should. God, we that should. show was That's such a big deal back then. Yeah. And nobody talks about it anymore. No one talks about it. Tiger Woods getting a tiny little square here, considering that he, you know, changed golf forever. But it was, <laughs> but it was, it was two or three years after he was like, okay. on the scene. So I, I feel like he already had gotten all his flowers, but that's just... Uh, we got some Je- Jeremy Northam love. How about uh, Glenn Ken- Keane getting a shout out? Yeah, of right? Of all people. <laughs> yeah. Glenn Keane, uh, Jeremy Northam of all from, from yeah. An Ideal Husband and Winslow Boy, Kenny, two, two yep. favorites. Jer- Jer- and also, also from uh, Paris, Texas. They don't, they don't put Texas. that one. Oh, sorry. Uh, Happy Texas. Oh, Happy Texas. That one yes. Yeah. Happy Texas. Yeah. yeah, that didn't make the cut. Uh, obviously, sucks. Reese. We don't, we don't need to talk about the people that unfortunately passed away in 99. I want to skip to the movies. Let's get to the movie lists because that's yes. uh, obviously – um, so was I the only one back then, not to interrupt mm-hmm. you, who yeah, would please. like every year with the year end issue, I'd look at Gleiberman's top 10 and Schwartzbaum's top 10 and like essentially like score them. Like who, who had the better, like who's matched mine more closely and thus was more correct every year. Well, I kind of did too. I kind of did, did too. too. I, I'd be lying if I said that I was a big Gleiberman fan. No I, I, is I it, is like, it Gleiberman or Gleiberman? I've heard both. Okay. So, yeah. I liked Lisa's more, I feel like, by and large. I felt like Lisa's I always were a little do. bit more interesting. Yeah. I felt like Lisa was definitely better, better. and more sharp tongue and definitely yes. had more of a mm. had more yes. of a take. I thought both of these people Mm. were uh, two of my lesser favorite Correct. film critics. They were, you know what's really funny is that the magazine, my love for the magazine got to a place where, honestly, I almost didn't really think about the, the critics so much as I was right. like, Entertainment Weekly is so omnipresent in my life that I was right. just like, Entertainment Weekly is putting up two lists of movies I should check out. Ultimately, it right. didn't really matter that much who the critics yeah. were. Yeah, um, right. But I'll, I'll read Owens real quick. Though, here. I do, though I do think Ken Tucker was a very good TV critic. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, Owens list. Man on the Moon, Topsy Turvy, Boys Don't Cry, Run Lola Run, Mr. Death, Go, Being John Malkovich, Election, Blair Witch Project, and Dogma. It is a pretty bizarre list. Uh, not even so much the the entries on it, maybe more so in the rankings. Joe, um, Joe, when yeah. you said you would score them, how yeah. would you yeah. score them? And will yeah. you score this? Well, so I would basically at whatever at that moment that I was reading it, I would look at my own top 10 list and be like, how closely do I match? And so who's, uh, so I, I guess scoring is maybe the wrong term, but like looking at this, 
Yeah. And what like my top 10 for that year, because mine's yeah. always changing. Um, I'm trying to think of like what would probably match it. Man on the Moon, no. Topsy Turvy is probably close to my top 10. Boys Don't Cry around that area. Like Go is in my top 10. I know you guys didn't like Go, but like Go is one of my top 10. Kenny saw Go twice. Kenny Chowden went on second okay, time. Know. There was a third movie we did, and I was kind of trying to be a tough guy. I, I think Go is pretty great. <laughs> I really do. Malkovich is definitely on my list. Election is definitely on my list. Lola's Blair Witch on my is list. definitely on my list. Um, and then Dogma. Fascinating how often Dogma comes this, comes up in this issue, by the way. And I, I need to find the correct venue to finally delve into the Kevin Smith thing of my youth. Because, like, I... I cannot deny yes. that he was one of those filmmakers who like helped me become like the film obsessed monster that I am today. You know what I mean? And it's like, and yet I absolutely look back on this stuff and it's just like flawed and, you know, problematic and whatever. But like, I think particularly chasing Amy and dogma are two really fascinating movies that I would love to be able to like revisit in depth one day. Because- I mean, I'll tell you, we, we did dogma and it was, first of all, it was a great episode, but it was also a, it's a, it's a weird, fascinating movie. I think we did a great job trying to unpack it. What's interesting about this top 10 list is um, a man on the moon is such an, interesting choice for number one. Like, I yes. liked Man on the Moon. Wouldn't be I, my number I, one, but I'm glad somebody has it as their number one. Right. It feels a little bit like him shooting his shot and planting a flag on a movie, thinking yeah. this is... and But, you know what I mean? Like, no like, one's going to see like, this coming. I guess. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. Like, Man on the Moon is weirdly a safe choice to me. I think that's a weird choice, sure. you know, months after, weeks after they declared 1999 the year of the change movies. Yeah, There's nothing about Foreman movie. Yeah. It's who, who I love. And I yeah, think sure. it's a genius, but I also think, you know, in terms of Foreman's previous bio yeah. pick yeah. things, yeah. it is the least of the three. Yep. So um, by kind it's, of a pretty good margin too. So I, I think that like, yeah, I, you know, it's, Phil, it's interesting. We've done nine out of these ten films already. And the yeah. one we haven't done is Vinja Malkovich, which, Correct. you know, we're, we're saving for Swipe. Well, so, yeah, we're... <laughs> um, I, I'll say this. Just looking at both of these lists, and I'm, I'm going to read uh, Lisa's real quick here so we can kind yeah. of talk about both of them. Um, she had All About My Mother, Toy Story 2, South Park, Election, Boys Don't Cry, Rosetta, Dick, Topsy Turvy, The Limey, and Talented Mr. Ripley. That to me, that's a 99 list. That's someone that's sure, trying yes. to wrap their arms around sure, the totally spectrum of the year yes. in a way that's a lot more interesting to me. Totally. Um, yeah. I, 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 I also love that, that she has a movie on her top 10 that he includes as one of his worst, which I love Rosetta. that kind of friction. Um, yeah, let me, let me read quickly I, the, I believe, the worst of. I believe yeah, David Sims has Rosetta on his he top does. 10 of 99. He does. Um, so for the worst, Owen's worst were Double Jeopardy, Happy Texas, Wild Wild West, Rosetta, and Teaching Mrs. Tingle. It doesn't seem that Lisa got a worst of. The, no, the they only let the, Owen do a worst of. It's The four that we've done mm-hmm. on this. So we haven't done Rosetta or, or The City. I think these are two different movies. That yeah, he sort of wrote them in together. Yeah. Uh, the four that we've done of his six are four fucking 
in terrible movies. Yeah, but Double Jeopardy is Double Jeopardy's not number one. I like Double Jeopardy a lot. I really do. I you, we we did Double Jeopardy, Kenny, and, and we had a little bit of fun with Double Jeopardy. Like Double Jeopardy is a little bit more of like a noirish genre piece, whereas these other three are just Double whiffs. Jeopardy sure. is not the worst. I totally agree. He obviously didn't see Love Stinks. Double Jeopardy is is all like you know if if as I said Sarah you know Sarah Michelle Gellar yes in the Vampire Sucks is my number one of all time sure. Ashley Judd sure. in, in nineteen in, Ashley Judd in a in a legal adjacent erotic adjacent thriller is my number sure sure, sure sure so there is yeah. something about Ashley Judd in this film I, the, I the thing really, with these write ups is like yeah please yeah. Some of the stuff, it's just, it feels like a silly, like his problem with Double Jeopardy seems to be that like, that's not the way the law works, which like, obviously, <laughs> but also like, that to me seems so beside the point of yeah, that. Who movie. gives a shit? Like, and then his problem with Rosetta is like the main character is it's boring, uh, is, anno- is annoying to him. And it's just like, well, that just seems dumb and immature way to look at movies. I don't know. Like, I just, you're, you're really kind of hitting, I think, why... We all agree that Owen's not a great critic. Like, I look at this top 10 list, and it's a person... all the time in his reviews. Totally agree. It's a person that's sort of like doesn't really is is trying to kind of sense which way the wind is blowing mm-hmm. as opposed to like actually having the courage of his convictions. Yeah. And I, I just it's it's very odd. The write-ups are strange. I don't know. I, I yeah, it's odd. Right. It's very. Do you guys want to go? Lisa's the, list is much better. Anyway, do you guys want to go to the best part of the magazine every week? Sure. And the Critical best thing mass. that they do, incredible. Yeah. Critical yeah. mass was the best. It was Rotten Tomatoes before Rotten Tomatoes. Like honestly, yeah. oh, so well, good. this is. If you look, I'll just I'll read the first handful of the best reviewed films of the year. You had Boys Don't Cry at number one, Toy Story two, The Insider, American Beauty, Pete Malkovich, Election, Tarzan, Iron Giant, Straight Story, Notting Hill, and Go. I'm amazed that goes this high. I didn't remember, I remember being, being that well reviewed either. But. I, I feel like I was always making the case for Go for a while. I didn't realize that it had yeah. been reviewed that well. I had no, and then just, you know, to round out the bottom here, the, the bottom five are Double Jeopardy, End of Days, which is ridiculous. End of Days is a great movie. It should be at the, at the middle, at least. Uh, yes. Random Hearts, The Haunting, and Wild Wild West. I would say of those five, Kenny, would you not agree that probably Random Hearts is the worst of those? Uh, or do you think Wild Wild West is the worst? Wild no, Wild I think pretty I, bad. It's yeah. definitely not Wild Wild West. It's a, it's Random Hearts or the Haunting. Yeah. Random yeah. Hearts is like is like deeply deeply terrible, but the Haunting is so laborious. I coming next week, guys. Truly, Random Hearts. Truly, truly, <laughs> but I also love that, that. to Kenny's point that this is such a fascinating thing to look at. You could like get lost in it forever, right? Because I, it's yes, just this can. giant grid. But you look at that <laughs> bottom one, and it's like, okay, who was the one critic who liked? The haunting, and it yep. was evil. dude. That's what I do. I would, <laughs> right? I, what I would always do is I would look. So, what's the highest? Who's F, the outlier here? And what's yeah. the lowest A? Like, yes, what's that excited? That weird yep. low A. Yep. Arlington Road got an A from Jamie Bernard of Knight Ritter Syndicate. Uh, right. Cookies. Oh, but Ebert gave Cookies Fortune an A, which had a C plus. Guys, I'm excited. Like, that's to do fun to me. But I, but Kenny, look at uh, look at uh, Run Lola Run getting a C minus from Mike Clark of USA Today. Like, what what movie did he see? Yo, there are some some Gleiberman ones are so embarrassing, or some Entertainment <laughs> Weekly ones that I assume are Gleiberman yeah. ones. Yeah, yeah, are yeah. so embarrassing. The Matrix C plus. Yeah, it's crazy. Like crazy, crazy. It, humiliating. Eyes wide shut. C. Like, yeah, what world do you live in? It's just yeah. bizarre. It's bizarre. I mean, but, I also think the it's ones worth noting. Rita Kempley are just 
terrible. I hope she never worked again. I also just want to say, it's worth noting, Fight Club is ninth from the bottom here, okay? I know. Wow. It's got like C, okay. C plus, B, B minus, D, D, D. Like, whoa. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Yeah. That is the- definitely a movie I, I remember having to make a case for pretty much to anyone Whatever. you spoke to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what else is interesting? There are a few that are really, yeah. That is the most interesting is Fight Club, like how much people didn't want to be around Fight Club. <laughs> right. But uh, Sixth Sense has a B minus yeah. uh, average, which is kind of a shock to me, you know? Yep. Yeah. Um, I thought people liked that movie more. Can I Can I also say, Kenny, and I think it's worth noting, Cruel Intentions is another movie that I think was was really misinterpreted and maligned at the time yeah. and kind of just put in this box of like, this is just tawdry teen bullshit and we're not really interested in it. And, and yeah. it's a much, as, as we, when we did our episode, it's a much smarter movie than I think people give credit to, but like cruel intentions getting a C, you know, getting C's and B's. It's just uh, B minus. That, it's just, it's that doesn't offend me so much because me. I think it's easily misinterpreted. Yep. And I think it gets easily misinterpreted to this day. I think yeah, people, I you know, yeah. I think people kind of unfairly remember it as the the movie with the, you know, saliva string. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I want as, as you know, I think it's you know brilliant masterpiece. Obviously, I, I want to just skip ahead um, for a second here and just talk about what they claimed were the worst television shows of 1999. Yes. Um, Family Guy is number one. Their review is racist, anti-Semitic, and AIDS jokes, shoddy animation, stolen ideas, this cartoon as vile swill. I mean, as, okay. Sure. Um, a, a show <laughs> called Pod- you, Is that how you guys really feel? <laughs> like, that's, I, I, that's, I know. That's like, I don't know. That's how you feel? <laughs> Uh, a show called Odd Men Out, which I've never heard of. I don't. I don't nope. remember Odd Men Out. Uh, Happy Hour. Don't remember that show. Oh, uh, I. I, no, I do remember Happy Hour because okay, what's I was a that? wrestling fan. Oh, sure. Happy Hour was uh, was on after Raw. It was trying to keep that. Oh, it was okay. trying to keep that male yeah. demographic there, and it was sure, sure, sure. It was sure. Yeah, truly terrible. Like it, it was yeah. truly like like the it was the man show hosted by the Zappa brothers but like stupid oh, wow almost like laughing it was almost like laughing like it was like oh, if the wow. man show was crossed with laughing and hosted by oh. the Zappas who no one cares about that's, that's right. terrible yeah that uh, our bad. list is number five um, yeah. wait, really, wait 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 you really missed the number four number, number four, four is show, that's a I soap sh- opera I mean no like, it's that- not it's not. An, I mean, it is technically, but yeah, no, Passions, Passions is a soap opera. But yeah. Passions is not your normal soap opera. No, it's like it's the craziest <laughs> fucking shit ever. But also, there's the thing that I hate, where it's like it's the only afternoon soap that I watched, and it's just like, and I like, I totally get the I can't watch all of television and comprehensively rank it because there's too much of it, and like even back then, I believe it. But like, there was nothing forcing you to then. Go in right. and shit on one the one soap opera you watch. Totally I right. I mean, I would I would actually argue that this these five shows this is a lazy worst in my opinion. Like this yeah. is this is I, this isn't even Razzie shit. Although Kenny and I obviously and as do you, Joe, think the Razzies are, are nonsense. You yes. can do a worst of list, even though I argue that I don't think you really need to. Yeah. But like this, this to sort of like this doesn't feel emblematic of anything. To me. Except Arliss. Arliss is terrible. Yeah, uh, what's okay. interesting is that the yeah. best TV series you'll probably never see is Queer as which yep. is interesting because yep. Queer as Folk has persevered in the public consciousness and got a reboot. Um, yeah. So well, I think it's so emblematic of 
the way television was back then. I was just talking about this very phenomena. I can't remember in what context was about like, there were shows that were British shows that you were just like, well, I guess I'm just never going to see. Never going to want because that's, that's Phil's life as a Canadian. Unless it's like a tape trading situation or something like that, right? Like you really yes. had to like really work yeah. to try and see these shows. And it's so foreign of a concept now where it's just like, oh, like now it's just like, I can't believe I can't see that British show for six weeks after it premieres in England. You know what I mean? It's just like, that's no, the most sure. arduous it gets. It is really interesting super, how... Super interesting. I mean, it's the same with music and we'll get to the albums in a minute, but like music is the other thing where... You know, if you wanted to listen to an album, you had to go buy a CD. I mean, that was really what you had to do, or you had to hope it was played on the radio or something like right, that. Like, right, there was really right. no other... Yeah. Now, um, I want to just very quickly... Uh, we don't need to talk Wait, about the... Before we move but, off of worse, though, because I do want to mention one thing. Yeah, In the Passions write-up, yes. uh, the, it says... Like, can you imagine anything worse? I mean, aside from the prospect of Susan Lucci countering her well, des- well, des- ca- yeah, countering her well-deserved losing streak by winning a second daytime Emmy. Like, first of all, a, what did Susan Lucci ever do to you? B, you've already admitted that Passions is the only soap that you watch. So why sure. are you talking about all my children? And third. Susan Lucci winning the Emmy was like one of the greatest things that happened that year. Well, and by the way, they shit on her again at the end in the hot sheet. They take another pot shot at her Brutal. for having lost 18 other times. They, they they were meaner than I remembered. I mean, the first <laughs> the first thing in yeah. the calendar section is making fun of Debbie Metnopoulos, who got made fun of so much for getting a you know nose job. Yeah. It's just it's just unnecessarily cruel. And I guess I didn't realize the way that also. Seeped yeah. into the magazine and seeped into my own personal psyche. Like this Jerry Springerification of pop culture that was happening at the time was definitely also happening within the pages of my yeah. Bible. Yeah, we skimmed time. past the sidebar on like the year in boobs, which was like a weird, <laughs> weird little moment where Very I was like, weird. wow. Yeah. Like, um, I, I, right. I, I'm, I, we don't need to talk about the books because I'm, I'm sure have we, we heard of, any of them. Have we heard of, of one exist. book on this? But on this I do want to say this Isaac Storm. Worm book sounds fucking dope, and I, I imagine someone has to turn that into a movie or a miniseries. Oh, you know what? This is a great thing to do, Phil, is to like scour the old yes, best yes. ofs. That's what I'm saying. These books that were hot yes. for the moment, yes. And see if we can group them. Yes, yes. Don't listen <laughs> yes. to this. Don't listen to this, guys. Um, so yeah, the so thing I that I found interesting, though, was mm-hmm. number one fiction is Close Range Wyoming Stories by Annie Pruel, which is the short story collection yes. that. Brokeback Mountain comes from. Yes, and yes, Brokeback Mountain is not one of the stories they single out in the write-up. Which, which is interesting. interesting. Yeah. Did you also, speaking of Brokeback Mountain, did you read that quote from uh, Amotivar from the other day where he was talking about how he was approached to do Brokeback Mountain and he passed no. on it? Interesting. Um, and the reason he passed, and this is a total cyber, but it's worth talking about for a second, uh, he wanted it to be far, far more sexual. Like if he was going to do it, he knew that, that his tracks. version was yeah. just never going to make it. Right. So he was just like, I'm just going to walk away from this and let someone right. else. And by the way, he loves Aang's movie. Like he wasn't shitting on Aang's movie, but sure, I just think the alternate world where Almodovar gets to make Brokeback Mountain is an interesting one. And It's an one interesting worth- trade-off because you trade off a more interesting, maybe a, a more uh, sexually uh, involved movie for Almodovar. A, a version Correct. of that story that I would love to see. And Absolutely. yet the Ang Lee version was able to cross over in a way that an Almodovar version probably wouldn't have. Absolutely so it's like, not. that's And, and changed movies in so many ways. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. just broke, broke up, but anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, I want to talk about the music real quick. Um, <laughs> at number one, 
we have Robbie Williams' The Ego Has Landed. Um, an Amazing. album that I don't honestly, the only song I could, Millennium, I think is a song I remember. I love oh, yeah. Millennium. And I also Definitely. love Angels. Is Angel on that? Is that? Yes, uh, Angels is on it here is, too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then yes, I remember that one as well. Yes. Um, yeah, but so Robbie Williams. choice. <laughs> yes. I, I, say again, that as, I say that as a genuine Robbie Williams uh, appreciator. Yeah. But, uh, like I, what? I, but I, I love it as the time capsule, though, right? It's like yeah, that, at true. that moment, like, he was, he was pretty big. He was big. Uh, at number two, my favorite album of 1999 is Fiona Apple's When the Pawn. Yeah. Um, then you have Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way. They do something interesting in this. I, I, uh, I, do, I hate this. Yeah, do they do summer singles albums, and not albums? Singles? I think it's. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. you can do your top ten singles if you want, but you yeah. can't mix them. You but should anyway. do your top ten singles, like I, right. I, so I, they they have yeah. uh, they got the Backstreet Boys. I want it uh, uh, that way. Yeah, um, and then Moby's play, uh, No Scrubs by TLC. Just why wouldn't you just pick the album? To, anyway, it's a great uh, album. Yeah, uh, Buku Fish, nope. by Underworld. Uh, Lady Fingers by Luscious Jackson, uh, a great Beth Orton album in Central Reservation, Black on Both Sides by B- Most Def, and the three EPs by Beta Band. The formal Most Def. It's kind of bizarre. It's a bizarre list. Uh, the, you three say EPs, the three EPs obviously made famous by High Fidelity. Correct. Um, which, is uh, I which doesn't come out until 2000. The next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm going to sell five copies of three EPs yeah, yeah, by yeah, the beta yeah, band. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it is, it, you know, as I've said so many times, this year really sucked for, for music. music. Yeah, it's not great. Uh, but there, I mean, listen, there, I guess the reason I say it's weird is that uh, there were a couple things they could have highlighted and they chose not to. Uh, on the worst... They got J-Lo at the top uh, of the list. Coming after a, J-Lo. What are you doing? Guys. <laughs> like, what? Uh, Pick the wrong this target. Is why, this is why people, even to this day, will get so, like, m- like arm up and ride into battle for J-Lo. It's because yeah. she was treated this way early on. And it wasn't. Yeah, I totally agree with I you. Agree. Uh, then you've got the Guns N' Roses single from the End of Days soundtrack. Oh, my God. Uh, Amen by Paula Cole Band, Stay the Same by Joey McIntyre, and In the Life of Chris Gaines by Garth Brooks. Odd, interesting choices. For a second opinion on music, we've got Utopia Parkway by Fountains of Wayne, Loud Fascinated Control, The Wild Sounds of 50s Rock. I don't know how you can just pick a fucking soundtrack as, but okay. Midnight Vultures by Beck, which Kenny and I both agree is one of the best albums. Yes. Uh, Randy I think, Newman's fly, I think fly is also a fantastic album. Sure. You got the Dixie oh, Chicks, yeah. Fiona Apple again, Macy Gray, yeah. Tom Waits, my, Macy McCartney. Gray, my number one song of the year. He was your oh, number one song of the year. And then I, here's what I will agree is that fucking Amy Mann's Magnolia soundtrack is obviously one of the best. Things number of the one, year. number yes. one. It's unbelievable. If it's uh, on, if yeah. it's the kind of thing you're putting on your list and you're not putting it number one, we are not friends. I agree. <laughs> Here's the other thing that they did in this magazine that I loved, which is they would have a section on video. They'd have a section on stage. They'd have a section yeah, on... I like that too. You know what I mean? Like, I love that... Because, like, now, home video is obviously basically a, a fucking dead thing. But, like, for right. them, they like, the, the, the DVD for The Wizard of Oz with all its, you know, uh, supplemental stuff, really awesome. Um, a Bug's Life, Curtain Court, and you got the Matrix DVD... Buffalo 66. Like they would what use the video weird... section to be able to highlight some yeah. stuff. They would very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I mean, anyone writing for Vincent Gallo ever, Gallo ever is interesting right. to me. Right. And then you're not so gonna, for the worst, not going to be embarrassed by that. I think Kenny and I have will agree on I 
we've we've covered three of the movies in the worst section. Baby Geniuses, Children of the Corn, six six six, Isaac's Return. We have not. We seen. didn't. We didn't do that. We didn't do that one. Uh, the Mod Squad. We did that one. Very I don't bad. know what Kook's tour is, and we obviously nope. did Spy Who Shagged Me. Um, yeah, well, Spy Who Shagged Me is one of, of our, our best episodes. <laughs> it's one of our best episodes because <laughs> we both turn each other around on the movies somehow. Yes, uh, but Mod Squad is a is a fucking doozy, and Baby Genius is obviously a just a fever dream nightmare, yeah, awful thing. Best of the internet, you got best it. of the internet. Blairwitch dot com, which I guess was the kind of one of the linchpins to its success, though, right? Like that oh, yeah. internet website that made, made that it was seem really real. huge. Yeah, uh, short films on the net. Uh, Sega Dreamcast, Entertainment Robots. I don't know what these these Num- are. number ten is is actually interesting to me. Timothy McSweeney's internet that is interesting actually. McSweeney's, yes. which you know, be, which really yeah. mattered and, and burned no, a lot really of really, really it obviously in, launched know, Dave Eggers comic career. voices. So yeah, I, it's so I have no wrap- business talking about video games at all beyond sure. like the original Legend of Zelda and like a very specific version of Mario Kart, but like. I didn't know anybody with a Sega Dreamcast. Did you know anybody with a Sega Dreamcast? Like, no, I PS2. Yeah. Or like, PlayStation, it felt like, at the time. Yeah. Like, that even at the time felt like a flop, and it's weird that yeah. it's on their top 10. I mean, it does be, feel like yeah. these. I mean, the, some of these slots are, are paid for, right? I mean, oh, some well, of these yes. slots are, yeah. are bought. Guys, but... do you, guys, do you remember the Marketplace? Yes. Oh my yes. God. It's amazing. The Marketplace <laughs> is. Is your best and worst of the internet opposite an ad for the Dr. Laura show, or is that just me? No, I got a marketplace. No, I, no it is. I got it's Dr. Right Dr. Laura. Marketplace. Talk blunt from a sharp wit. There's an, there's an ad for no, Dr. Laura right next Dr. to Dr. Laura the, doesn't make the cut on mine. Really? I totally Unless I'm missing a page. Marketplace. No, no, I would be missing no, the, I'm the not. marketplace. Do you yeah. remember the marketplace, Joe? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I have the marketplace. It's just on the next page. Yeah. I can't I'm just believe they have a fucking is... classified section on the, in this magazine. Isn't that incredible? It is weird. Yes. Uh, it's, oh, okay, I, so I want to just I quickly totally talk about this hot it. sheet at the very, at the very, very back. Yes. Um, I call it the not-so-hot sheet. So, number one, you've got the Sopranos, obviously. Yeah. Uh, two, Harry Potter. U.S. women's soccer team. The Phantom Menace. Who wants to be a millionaire? Kathy Lee. Ricky Martin Mania. Internet Stocks. Kevin Spacey, the Oscar winner, denied rumors he's gay. If that doesn't work, he plans to marry Lisa Marie Presley. That's a real time capsule joke right there. so (laughs) interesting. Susan Lucci, as I mentioned earlier, they take a shot at her. She finally won a daytime Emmy for acting like she didn't mind losing 18 times. I mean, all right. Here's the one that I think is interesting. Bad jokes. Which speaks to the episode we did um, on uh, inclusive in television. Uh, Number 12, White Like Them. None of the 26 network shows that premiered in the fall starred a minority actor, and one of them was called Roots the Series. Oh, whoops. I mean, that's fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, Wait, I, mean, I, I, I don't get the joke. Is that real? I don't know. Root, Roots the Series couldn't possibly uh, be a real this thing. This is the thing about Jim I don't Mullen's know. jokes. This is the thing about Jim Mullen's jokes is you end it and you go, was that the joke? <laughs> And you, gen- like, you genuinely don't know. You genuinely don't. Know. I, yeah. I, I, but I do. Yeah. I do genuinely remember this moment where they had not a yes. single show yes. starring yep. a black actor, and I believe this lasted from about 1990 to about 2015. It was so, a crazy thing. Yes, but yeah. This, um, and then it's the last one I think is worth to notice. It's just that Hollywood didn't do anything. Correct. I, it Correct. really is an interesting phenomenon. This idea of like people really were fucking aware 
of the racism here. And the other place that I will always you know, talk about is the racism in NFL coaching hires. Mm-hmm. People have been talking about it for fucking effort. It's right. the powers that be that aren't making the fucking moves until right. kind of last week, kind of because they were like, to so the the last uh, the last one on here I think is kind of funny. Uh, Fifteen, the West Wing. Each week brings another crisis for President Martin Sheen. By the end of the first season, he had to pardon Charlie three times. This is in ninety nine, guys. They don't even know what's about to come. Yeah, from Charlie they, Sheen. they absolutely like, do not. <laughs> this is just so. Um, as we as we wrap up this uh, episode, Joe. Next yes. week we are doing a movie that I don't know if you guys have covered on your podcast. Uh, this had Oscar buzz. If you're not listening to Joe's podcast, you should be. Uh, I agree. We are covering Random Hearts next week. Oh, yeah, we did. We did definitely do Random Hearts. So yeah. what are your thoughts on Random Hearts, Joe? I got, I got, we got to hear that. It's maybe one of the episodes that we always talk about, like, what are the episodes we remember <laughs> least? That's one of them. Just because, like, what is there to say? I remember we ended up talking about this weird odd scene in a department store kind of a lot because it's just like yeah. it's the fucking best scene. Loop. It kind of is, right? <laughs> it's like a short play. <laughs> the absolute lack of chemistry between Harrison Ford and Kristen Scott Thomas, yep. two actors we both love quite yep, a bit yep, yep. and individually, but like together, it just doesn't happen. Yep. It's just the coldest fish of a movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's a shockingly a bad movie. It's a great yeah. episode. We have uh, Molly Margraft and Jerrica... Lieberman, Lieber, how do Lieberman? Lieberman, okay. Um, and and I, I want to just say this about Random Hearts. I watched a chemistry test yesterday that was posted on in between Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey before they did Dirty Dancing, and it is just like. You know what I mean? Like, just, just absolute sparks, right? The two of them are just, yeah. like, absolutely adorable. They wound up hating sexy. each other. I was going to say, wasn't the story yes. there that they, they hated ultimately each other ended up hating But I love each other. that. I mean, yeah. the, you but know. But the chemistry read, yeah. and we talk yeah. about this on the episode, but, like. Look at Tom Hardy and Charlize Theron. Like, sometimes, yeah. right. Hate, hate is good. Hate <laughs> can be good under the right circumstances, but more than anything, this movie, Random Hearts Proves, do a fucking chemistry. Yeah. <laughs> because if you don't, yeah. you're going to get stuck. And then yeah. you're just going to be watching two people grimace at each other for two hours. Oh, uh, so or, or he talks about her mouth. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it was, it's I mean, uh, I, I really, really, really hated this movie. It's one of the worst movies we've done slash yeah, I've ever seen. But like, it's funny because Kristen Scott Thomas is doing her best, which I fear is not that good. And Harrison Ford is doing his worst, which is like awful. But it's, he is yeah. not he's not close to playing at the top of his potential. And she is trying so hard to pull something out of him. And there's like nothing there. It's like Kristen Scott it's like, Thomas don't you realize he's dead? Great though. That's yes. the thing. It's like Kristen yes. Scott Thomas. This is not her element. I agree with you. Is awesome. Like Kristen Scott Thomas, uh, English patient. English patient, she's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean yeah. Fleabag, great. But I'll I'll say this too. Like yeah. under Cherry Moon, incredible. We talk about this a little bit on the episode, but like this is a perfect storm of a movie, right? Like this is where every single piece is just they don't belong together. Yeah. Kevin, you know what I mean? Kevin Pollock. <laughs> Sydney <laughs> Sydney Pollock directing this film, it's just it's not in his wheelhouse. It's not yeah. right. The everything about it is odd. Everything the script is, is wrong. strange. Everything's wrong. It's the opposite and- of a perfect storm. <laughs> it it's like an imprint. It's, it's an a imp- beautiful 
Yeah. Day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Clear skies. Ugh. Well, yeah. Joe, this was, uh, as always, an absolute pleasure. Thank we you can't for wait to have you on. on our Patreon for 2009, which we will do with you yes. Yes. soon. Um, and yeah, I mean, listen, always a pleasure. And we hope that Kenny and I together have yet to be on. I know. We got to make that happen. It had Oscar buzz. We always want to come on. We will talk about anything. Yes. And then I could talk to Chris about the time I emailed my other friend, Chris File, (laughs) uh, and thought it was him, my real estate broker friend. Two friends named Chris File. You know, two people named Chris File. The other guy is Chris Field, but it's spelled the exact same way. And I emailed and I emailed your friend Chris File to see if you can help my friend get a house in LA. And And then I emailed him. He never responded. And then I emailed (laughs) him back. I emailed him back and I'm like, because when we, when he was on our show, I told him. I emailed back. I'm like, remember I told you I had another friend named Chris? That's who this email was. That's why. Oh my god! Yeah, but he never, I never responded. I that's, know. Two oh, Chris, yeah. That's amazing. A, a Chris that. file and a Chris feel. That's great. Um, well, Joe, we can't wait to have you back. We can't wait to be on your podcast. Tell people about your podcast real quick so that they can uh, listen to it. Sure. Yeah, it's called This Head Oscar Buzz. Uh, Chris uh, file, not feel, and I. We talk every week about a movie that. Uh, had Oscar hopes, buzz, potential, uh, and never got any Oscar nominations. And we sort of unpack why, and sometimes they're good movies that didn't catch on, and sometimes they're bad movies that rightfully were uh, were ignored. And yeah, it's a good time. We've had some uh, good ones lately. We just put up our episode on Margaret. That is uh, one of my favorite ones that we've done so far. Uh, so yeah. Movie. We're on Twitter at had underscore Oscar underscore buzz. And you can get all your links to follow, uh, to uh, subscribing to us. Wherever Have you, you done? I, I got a random one. Yes. <laughs> that I think had Oscar buzz. Joe, yes. you'll be able to tell me if I'm wrong or right. Uh-huh. American dreams. I, we've not, we've not done that one. I don't know if it had Oscar buzz or whether it was to my recollection of that movie was that it was just sort of like a summer comedy kind of a thing. That was a White's Brothers. Hey, am I crazy? Was that a post about a boy? Because they got an Oscar nomination for About a Boy. They did get an Oscar nomination for About a Boy. That is true. I don't know. American Dreams always seemed like a broader kind of a comedy in its. Am I crazy, Kenny? Was it the Whites's? Or no, it definitely was the Whites's. I think it's interesting only in that. Now, it it would might not work if there was no Oscar buzz. Yeah, a lot of don't look up DNA in that movie. Yes. I think I, that's interesting to note. Yeah, and I for think sure. that there's something about that. I mean, you know, it, who it, is it that's like, playing the the George W. Bush? Dennis Quaid, knockoff. I think. Is it Dennis Quaid? Uh, there's like you have Wag the Dog, which I think is right, wonderful right. and brilliant, and yeah. you know, yes. nearly nearly perfect. And yes. you have Don't Look Up, which is super fucking terrible, yeah. and uh, you know, whatever has its charms for some people, I suppose. And I do think American Dreams is trying the exact same thing as these movies, mm. and it failed spectacularly. But that would be if 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 I could prove it at Oscar Buzz, maybe uh, maybe that, I'll allow I mean, us on. Yeah, absolutely. I I do think you're tapping into something that I think is interesting, Kenny, which is sort of the uh, how hard it is to do Doctor Strangelove, right? Like how hard mm. it is to do yes. the presidential parody thing. Like, I think Dave actually does a great job because it's pretty grounded and it's a lovely movie and a great movie with like a big heart to it. But like, 
it's it's just like I think about like the Jack Nicholson stuff from Mars Attacks, right? Where you're just like, mm. and I like Mars Attacks, but like that's the stuff that works the least for me. It's yeah. just really hard to do apocalyptic, you know, fucking global politics stuff in a way yeah. that doesn't either feel cheap or just I don't know, it just doesn't work. But so, how does one prove that a movie had Oscar buzz to you? <laughs> Uh, That's the real question. In, in in our experience, it's mostly Chris and I being like, "Do you remember that having any Oscar?" No, I, I I figured that, and it sounds like yeah. you don't. So, how would yeah. one prove? Like, I I if I pulled up something that said, "I think if you this could is find a like yeah, like any kind, if you could find an article where somebody is like, people are talking about Dennis Quaid as a possible supporting actor, all right, I'm in. something like that." Uh, when we did Double Jeopardy, I remember being like, "There are going to be people who are going to push Jeopardy? back on that." We did because I found an article in, I want to say, Time magazine that was previewing the Oscars for like it from like the fall or whatever. And they included Ashley Judd for uh, Double Jeopardy in their best actress contenders oh, wow. because that movie had made a bunch of money. I would have thought it would have been Tommy Lee Jones, but uh, but yeah. Yeah. No okay. Bruce Greenwood, I, best supporting actress. Tr- <laughs> Roma Mafia you. should have gotten supporting actress consideration. She was every movie she's ever been in. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I I do have to go. Uh, I'll just I want to want to throw out that I don't know if you've done Joe. Yeah. Life Aquatic. Oh, we just did that semi recently, like oh. within the last couple months. Because that's one that people that. don't realize never got any Oscar nomination. Exactly. Because you feel like it probably would have got a production design or something. And it was big. It was the movie that Bill Murray did right after Lost in Translation. Everybody was like, well, this is going to be the Bill Murray makeup Oscar. And it was post-Royal Tenenbaums. It was like, these two guys, they're fucking, it's going to, and then it just didn't happen. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, Joe, this was a blast as always. Thanks, guys. We love you. Can't wait to see you soon. Thank you, Joe. One last thing, please rate, review, and subscribe. Uh, Speaking of subscribing, check out our Patreon on all the best films of 1989, Batman, When Harry Met Sally, Fabulous Baker Boys, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Ghostbusters 2, Field of Dreams, Major League, and many, many more. We are covering all the best films of 1989 with amazing guests like Joanna Robinson, Liz Hanna, Hunter Covington, Brian Cogman, David Iserson, and many, many more. All your favorite guests from our 1999 podcast are coming on to the 1989 Patreon. You can sign up for it at patreon.com backslash podcast like it's 1989. For only $5, you get access to all of these awesome episodes. And for a few bucks more, you get video of our 1999 episodes as well. Plus, there are other very cool tiers too, where you can even be a guest on our podcast. Please check out our Reddit as well at reddit.com backslash podcast like it's. We're also on Twitter at podcast like it's 1999. We're also on Instagram at podcast like it's 1999. Uh, thank you so much to Ernie and Will for producing our episodes, Sullivan for our social media, Yon Katas for our amazing art and theme songs. And most of all, thank you all for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.